Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of Speaking Duck. I'm your host, Alex Ross. My guest today is John Catucci of the hit television show, You Gotta Eat Here, where John goes across Canada and beyond eating at restaurants that shape various travel destinations, all the while connecting with the diners themselves. John, of course, is a comedian and performer, most known for his Just for Laughs appearances with David Mezziano, the comedy and musical duo known as the Duops. And yes, this Italian knows his pizza and pasta in Toronto. John is promoting his You Gotta Eat Here companion guide, You Gotta Go Here, available on harpercollins.ca. And on Wednesday, October 11th, the Duops perform as a part of CBC's 16th annual Accent on Toronto comedy, alongside former NSN guests, Kate Trevor Wilson and Dave Merhage. If you are listening to this episode, the day it releases October 4th, the Duops are making a special intimate appearance at Jeff Paul's weekly live Wednesday comedy show at the Underground Social Club on Queen East. John will also be Jeff's next guest on The Potato Files here on Never Sleeps Network, where John really gets personal. But right now, from You Gotta Eat Here, we learn all about John Catucci's love of food on this episode of Speaking Duck. Welcome, uh, Speaking Duck listeners. This is your host, Alex Ross. We are here on NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Speaking Duck is in its second season. We're a few episodes in, and it's just a treat to have this guest. He's not a chef. He's not a foodie. He's an E.T. host from You Gotta Eat Here, also known for his work with David Mazziano in the Doo-Wops and the Doodlebops. My friend and yours... John Catucci. Welcome, John. Hey, man. How's it going? So well. I want to thank you so much for coming here because this show usually is about chefs in Toronto or, or food figures in Toronto. It's not all, all about chefs. You're an ET, yeah. which maybe you can help us explain uh, how that started. But I want to give you another quick kind of boost to your intro. You started You Gotta Eat here in January of 2012. Yeah. After five seasons, 150 episodes, two Canadian Screen Awards. It's distributed now to 50 territories worldwide. Why? And now a book titled You Gotta Go Here. It's written, co-written. There's photography in it. It's about almost 400 different locations. John, tell us about You Gotta Go Here. Well, this is the third book uh, that, that we put out under the You Gotta Eat Here brand. So the first two books were kind of like um, a mirror of the of the series. So we'd, we'd have each restaurant, we'd have a little backstory uh, of the restaurant, of the owner, what's so special about the place. We'd even have recipes of the dishes that we covered on the show. So when we were thinking about doing another book, we kind of wanted to change it up a bit. We still have the the restaurants and, and where they are, but we, we also added what you can do in the towns or nearby the restaurants when you're not eating. So roadside attractions. Roadside attractions. So when you're digesting your your breakfast, what you can do before getting ready for your meal for your second and third breakfast. Now, when you travel with your family, is your travels based around where you're going to eat? I don't know if it's officially that, but <laughs> definitely like when we rent cottages in the summer, it's like how far away from Huntsville, Ontario we're going to be. And, you know, we need to go to that little place by the lights in Huntsville because it's still one of my favorite restaurants that we shot out on the show that I kind of found prior to shooting the show and we just like oh this is a great place this will fit for the show this is gonna this is gonna be great it's this little Italian restaurant in Huntsville and it's at the corner by the lights and the the woman who owns it Annie is just this lovely woman 
energy and also like she will cut you with words <laughs> the second she meets you and if classic you can take Italian. it classic Italian if you can take it then you're part of the family sure, more food you on your plate. Yeah, and if you can't get out because she doesn't want to deal with you so uh, does that lend to you got to eat here like you had all these kind of spots in mind did you ever go to production and be like I know this great spot well this specifically so we we had shot like the first 13 episodes and then they kind of held on to it for a little bit before releasing it and then they the network said okay let's shoot another 13 we'll tweak the show a bit and then when we when we go to air we'll have 26 episodes for the first season so in between that that the first season 1a and 1b let's call it uh i was on vacation i, I saw this restaurant i called back to the production offices i'm like hey this place is great I hand it off to you. Now you guys decide. You do the research on it. And it worked and it was just great. Like when so when I went in there the first time, we were at the cottage for a week and I was jonesing for some pasta. And I was like, I need I need some I need some carbs. Enough barbecue everything. I need some pasta. So I looked online. They said there was an Italian restaurant in town. I'm like, okay, is it real Italian? Is it small town Ontario Italian? What is it? I walk into the restaurant and you could smell the tomato sauce right away. I'm like, okay, this is Okay, this is okay. Step one, right? <laughs> one check mark. We're good. So we sit down. The waiter comes over and he's like, the specialty of the house is gnocchi and lasagna. I'm like, okay, all right. This is okay. We're checking the menu. And he, and he passes by again. I was like, how good's the lasagna? <laughs> and he looks at me up and he goes uh, up and down. He's like, oh, what part of Italy are you from? <laughs> I'm like, uh, I'm from the south. And he's like, oh, it's not going to be as fancy as yours, but it's going to be good. And then he fucks off. Nice. Right? He just takes off. And Huntsville? I'm like, in Huntsville, I'm like, oh, I like this place already. <laughs> So we order the lignoc, we order the lasagna, and it's incredible. It's like, it's so light. It's so real. You know what I mean? Like you could taste the love that was put into this lasagna. Uh, it was a big piece, but it, because it was just like the pasta noodles were made in house and the bechamel was made in house, like everything, it wasn't weighing you down. So when I told the office about it, they were like, okay. Let's, we're going to shoot there and we get there and I'm cooking with Annie, the mom. And, uh, that was the son who told me off earlier. And I was like, okay, I love this place. And then the mom, Annie was telling me off as well. And it was just, I felt like I was with some aunts or with, I was with my sister or something like that. Like it was, nothing was good enough for it. Right. What's the name of the place? It's called that little place by the lights All right. in Huntsville, Ontario. And it's just every time I'm up in that area, we always make time. And it's so nice to keep going back because they've expanded the restaurant and, uh, but there's still this this beautiful love. Every time I come in, it's just big hugs, right? The, and Manny, his, the brother, if, if the son, if he's not around, they call him and he comes in. And uh, the, uh, when I was there last time, it just happened to be the dad was there, Loris as well. He was there. Uh, and it was just... It's, it's always like a homecoming every time I go back there. That's and awesome. so we were, sh this last summer we were in Bracebridge. So it was like an hour drive to get into Huntsville, but we still made it. Cause I'm like, we got to go get some pasta. We got to get some lasagna. And it was just, it was just as good, if not better. What part of Italy is your family from? My parents are from Puglia, uh, the heel of the boot in a town called Pitonto. Uh, sorry, Bitondo. Uh, like the pizza place in Toronto. That's, so that's Bitondo. And my parents are from Bitonto with okay. a T. It's they they immigrated in the sixties, sixty three okay. or something like that. To here, to Toronto, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, my my mom and dad, uh, n their families knew each other uh, in Italy. They didn't get married till they were here to get to, to, to Canada. Uh, and so yeah, it was. It's been I brought up in a, an Italian household where food was really important. Uh, where my dad was an incredible chef. Like, and I think if it was a different life in a different place, that's would have been his calling. He loved to cook. He loved feeding people. And I think that's, uh, that's been imparted, uh, onto me for sure. What did he do instead? 
he was a tailor by trade when he was in italy he was like trained with a, a man there who he called umastra the master and he was just uh he, he learned how to make women's clothing by hand wow uh, and then when he came to canada he like he got here on a wednesday and by monday he was working he got a job at like tip top tailors as a, as a, like he worked my dad worked his ass off had like three jobs in my entire life you know what i mean like he worked all day all 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 week he had sundays off i would see my dad on sundays and he was tired that's when i saw my dad <laughs> right but uh like yeah so he get here he got here on a wednesday he started working on by monday and he was just doing some like factory stuff like basic stuff and then the owner like i guess his boss noticed the imprint of the thimble on his finger and he said, and he looked at him and said, okay, you, you're actually, you know what you're doing. And my dad was never one to like, kind of like, you know, talk himself up. We should have done a little bit more, I think, uh, different time, different, different time. time. He just wanted his work to, to, right. to shine. And so then they bumped him up a couple of levels because they knew he knew what he was talking about. And then he worked, he worked all of his life in factories. And then when we were kids, I remember one of my greatest memories is come every end of summer, you know, he would, he would alter our pants for us, our jeans. So we would be sitting on, standing on the kitchen table and he'd be pinning our legs and he'd be yelling at us, stand up straight, stand up straight. And we were like, oh, come on. He's like, stand up straight. I got to pin these. How many siblings? Two, an older sister and a younger sister. Oh, you're the middle. The, little, the only boy. So, uh, I was, uh, the prince? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. You were the prince. I, I was, I, I guess I still am. Yeah. You can see that. Yeah. But that's your style though. You know, you, you, you service with a smile, you know, I, I'd rather my prince be adorable and I, and he gets the treat and, and enjoys it instead of, you know, the older, the younger sibling who just doesn't care as much. Yeah. Yeah, I had to fight for it. Did you? Well, I don't know if I did. I mean, like, I was super shy when I was a kid. Like, ridiculously shy. And, like, when, when I would have cousins come over. When the cousins would come over, I'd be like, okay, I've played with you for five minutes. I'm going to go in my room and, and either draw or watch TV or something like that. I just, like, I was really... I artistic? I don't know if it was artistic. I guess I had that stuff in my head, right? And I wanted it to come out. And it wasn't until high school when I started uh, singing. Okay. In a band and stuff like that. Okay. And that's when that kind of like opened up. What was the name of your first band? The first band was called... The first best band that you were in. <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> one of them was called Love Child. All right. I think that was my high school band, Love Child. Like late 70s? What we, I guess so. We were, I mean, we still had like the grunge influence Love and stuff it. like that. And we just did covers. Who's I, your influences in music? Well, I mean, I guess when I was growing up, uh, it was the Beatles and Zeppelin at the beginning. That was my first initial sure. thing. Cause I had my older sister, my older cousins who were really nice. into that. And then it kind of shifted into, again, because of my, uh, older, older sister, uh, like Prince and yeah. that sort of stuff. Eighties sure. stuff. And then when, you know, I guess when, uh, I was a big fan of the hair metal stuff growing up as well. I still, I am right. And then when Nirvana showed up, I was like, oh my God, oh, what is happening? Holy cow. I remember right. being in grade 10 science class and there was these rocker girls that they were the, they were the three rocker girls and her name was Nadia. And she, and I, and it's the, the, the day before I had seen uh, Guns N' Roses, the Guns N' Roses video. So there, there was Nirvana and then there was Guns N' Roses almost a, in that same time period. And uh, seeing Sweet Child of Mine for the first time. <laughs> and I, I was like, Nadia, did you, did you see this band? This Guns N' Roses band? And she looks at me like, fuck, what the fuck? And she looks, she points to like her jean jacket and she's already got the cross uh, sewn on, the right? Appetite for destruction. The appetite for destruction cross. cross. I'm like, oh, I'm way behind this. So I'm way behind. Did you hang out with the cool girls? Were these the stoner chicks on the hill? Or were no, you kind I, of in I between? Kind of, I was, I was, I floated. I was the kid. I could be, I was friends with the jocks and the genos and the, the hip hop guys. 
uh, and the rockers. And so I, uh, <laughs> the guys liked me because I made them laugh and, and they could beat me up. And the girls liked me because I could make them laugh and, and they, they could beat, beat me up. up. <laughs> Very cute. Uh, where does your love for the arts get you to York University and, and sketch and comedy. How does this evolve into that? So the first year at university, it was ju- I was just like a commuter kid back and forth. You know what I mean? Like it was, I didn't really make any friends. I was just into school, but and it was like an hour transit ride there. And my first class was a Monday at 830 in the morning. It was just ridiculous. So my second year, part of your, your second year, you kind of, you're kind of connected to uh, the colleges at York University. Like there's Vanier Winters and a whole bunch of different colleges. My college was Vanier college and so you could take uh, some electives if you wanted right you didn't have to you didn't have to you just this is what I want to do and one of them was I wanted to do a theater course I wanted to do an acting course because I've always wanted to do it but when I was in high school I was too shy and insecure that I thought my friends were going to make fun of me and stuff like that so I didn't do that stuff university comes along I was like I'm going to give this a try uh, the class is full so I couldn't do it but another class they had was a, a production class so you you had to actually uh, help build the sets and the and design the lighting stuff and the costumes hands and stuff. on hands on stuff for the acting class class and part of it also was you had to audition for this production and, and with the production company was Vanya College Productions VCP and uh, that's where I met Nagnar Gang and, and Ron Sparks and my buddy Josh Glover and a whole bunch of different people that are still working in the field right now so out of that I started doing sketch with Josh and with Ron Sparks and uh, with Nug, and that's where the Minnesota Wrecking Crew came out of. And at the same time, I was also doing another sketch troupe called uh, Performance Anxiety with uh, my buddies David Burns and Rick Simpson and Marty Brinder, and and so we kind of had that side as well. And that's where kind of like the musical comedy started as well, doing some musical comedy sketches in that sketch troupe. And then the Wrecking Crew was just, our, a friend of ours, Dave Crawford, used to run this space at um, the old Tim Sims Playhouse. So every Tuesday, I think it was called Sketchy at Best, and it was just a sketch show. And during the early 90s, there were so many great sketch troops happening at the time. And so he needed a filler. He needed something to, to we, we need we need some time to fill. So Nug was in uh, Nug Mutter with Perry Perlmutter. Uh, Josh was in uh, Dead Kid Did It, a whole bunch of great performers in that. And I was in Performance Anxiety. So we kind of like came together and we'd come together an hour before the show and just write stuff. Wow. And so it was just so exciting and fresh and new. And we came up with some really great stuff. Uh, and we did that for years. So that's where I know Nug and because I, I knew Nug from VCP as well. So that's where our friendship kind of grew everyone from 20 years and you're still close with them it's funny because the minnesota wrecking crew is a wrestling reference for yeah. those who don't understand and you know if you follow you on social media and nug at the same time you'll see you both are going to current wrestling shows 20 years later yeah, like, the yeah. joke is still alive still the is love still alive. is still alive it's, it's still going like uh, for those of uh, nug uh hosts um an aftermath show on that's I think, right on, on sportsnet on, on and he also is, does a podcast illusionoid yeah. you can actually catch him on the Never Sleeps Network podcast speech bubble with Aaron Broverman talking about Illusionoid and his love for comics. Yeah, so we he's super connected still into that wrestling world and has always been. Yeah, and he I, really is. Yeah, he's got so much ridiculous amount of knowledge about wrestling that I will never have. I love it. I love it as a spectacle and every now and then he'll invite me to, to shows and stuff like that. So we went to the NXT show this past weekend and we had like front row seats and one of the wrestlers uh, got punched in the face and a 
spit flew all, all over and hit me in the leg. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if I should like bronze it or burn it. I'm not sure what I should do, but the wrestling geeks were loving it. They now, were like, I want that spit. <laughs> my my wrestling knowledge is, is pretty good. And when I watch You Gotta Eat here, every intro that goes, you do the Wolfpack NWO point. <laughs> not always. I don't know. No, no, no. <laughs> it's in the animation. Oh, yes, yes, in the yes. animation yeah, that yeah. happens at every episode. Not every intro. Oh, yes. And the intro of the yeah, actual yeah, episode. You're, you're, yes. you're doing the NWA. <laughs> yeah. Was that purposeful? Like, did you do that? <laughs> oh, it's purposeful. Yeah, well, who was I caught that? I'm like, how big of a wrestling fan is he? He's definitely there. Okay. For sure. Uh, yeah, I just grew up with that that stuff. I remember when I was a kid, I used to watch it all the time. And like, oh, my God, this is real. This is really happening. I remember my dad bringing me to watch uh, Maple Leaf Wrestling when I was a kid at the gardens. You know, and this, this old Italian dude whose kid kind of like begged him to bring him to, to watch the show. And... You know, he'd smoke his cigarettes and Amazing. just watch and just watch with me. And it's just, you could smoke in the Maple Leaf oh, Garden. Yeah. And then they had the, 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 the large troughed urinals. Right. And just all butts. Like, just pee with strangers. So your dad was the chef in the family? Pretty much. Like my dad, like he would do the, the big occasion meals, right? But he also did the Sunday meal. My dad every Sunday would make a ragu and this beautiful, rich flavorful tomato sauce with hunks of of meat like uh, he would use like um so like shoulder shoulder blade in there uh and it would cook for hours he'd start in the morning uh like 8 a.m he would start it and slow cooking all this stuff and then by like mid-afternoon it was ready to go and we would we would eat around four or five something like that but by mid-afternoon it was done and he would just let it sit and he would always Ah, I, 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 every time I talk about food and my dad, I always tear up. My dad passed away about eight years ago I'm and he never got, no, yeah, it's, it's cool, but he never got to enjoy the show. Hmm. He never got to, uh, I never got to spoil him with it. Right. And he would have loved it. Right. So, so there are moments where on the show where I'll taste something and it will remind me of my dad wow. and we have to like, okay, I got to stop shooting for a little bit. This is a bit much. Like I remember being in, um, being in Calgary at a place called the fine diner and he were making a, a meatball sandwich. And uh, Rob, the the chef, such a good guy. We were making it, and it was just it just tasted like my dad's sauce, tasted like that meat, and it was just I, I never realized that connection between food and emotion that like how strong it was until that moment, right? Uh, and it was like boom, it was like like my my you know my hairs were st- were standing on end, and I was like I had to, okay, listen, I have to take a little break, and so I had to had to have a little cry in the corner, and, and Rob came over, he's like, listen, man, I. I I get it. You know, his dad had passed away not too long ago as well. And we had a nice little hug out, you know, a little bro hug. And, uh, but yeah, just that connection between my dad and food is, is big for me. So when I was a kid, he would make this ragu and I'd be in my room watching TV and he'd bring a bowl of it for me with a, with a, with a panino, with a bun. And he'd wink at me and he'd be like, shh, don't tell anybody. But I knew that he would did it for everybody, but he just did this, just, you know, keep it between us. And I guess he was doing it for two reasons. One to say, I love you. Here's some food, but also he wanted to impart that flavor to know what a real sauce would taste like. And he would call me. I remember it would not just me and my sisters as well. He'd call us into the kitchen. The pasta was almost done. He'd take a, 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 a like a rigatoni or something like that and put it in a bowl and put a little bit of the sauce so you could taste it all together. And like say, this is what it tastes like. Don't ever forget. Right. 
Uh, and it's that's the way it is, right? You you know you get the right amount of salt in the water. The 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 sauce is a bit tangy. It's some sweetness to it. There's some depth from the the beef. Uh, it's it's just so good. So you don't necessarily call yourself a foodie. You call yourself an eatie in the sense that you love to eat. Like to eat yeah. You know you you can't be bothered in, in in most other scenarios when it comes to food. Is this imparted from your family, like your dad, maybe your grandparents? Are you always the middle prince boy? that's just getting the plate of ragu and people are coming to you and getting your taste and your, you know, experience on their dishes. How did it start where you're like, I, because you speak like you are a foodie, but yeah. there's a clear distinction between people who are Epicureans and who just love to eat. Yeah. I, I, and I, and I found some, I find sometimes that, that, that term foodie gets thrown about so much that it's just like, it's, it's almost like, I don't know, snobby or something. Sure. I don't know. I just, it's just, I find it a bit annoying when people call themselves. I like Edie. I like Edie. I will. I'm an Edie and a drinky. I will do that all day. You know what I mean? <laughs> love it. So what's next? You know, your new book is coming out. It's a third of the series yeah. basically and just as news of your show is ending after five seasons is this a bittersweet send-off for your fans this book or what's next do you see yourself pursuing something independent maybe online yeah i, don't, I, I really don't know i mean i'm, I'm trying to figure out what i want to do do i want like uh, i think something in the food world because i've built up five years in that world right so i've got some clout quote unquote more than you realize you know I mean? when i did my research and i I'm seeing what people say on the internet about you. It's not about the show. It's not about the food. It's how you present it. And it's hard in Canada to stick out like that. For sure. And it's, I mean, like we got, when, when I got one season of this, I was super, super excited. Right. And I also know that, we don't let shows grow in this country, no. right? We we have so many amazing, talented performers and writers and directors and producers, but networks don't let those shows find their legs that they want. I always thought, I always say that like if Seinfeld was made here, he would have only got one season, hmm. right? He would, they would have never let it develop into what they, what it needed to be. And I, even I look back at the first season and I'm like, Oh my God, like really, I said that I was doing this because I, I was learning. Right. And then I got comfortable in front of the camera and found my voice there, but it, I'm so glad that they allowed it to. And I'm glad that the show connected with people. I mean, it was one of the few shows that was really celebrating Canada. You know, and not just Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver. You know what I mean? Like we went into, we went uh, almost everywhere. You know, we didn't go to none of it. We didn't go to Labrador. We, um, uh, there were some other places we didn't hit, but we, we, I've traveled this country so many times and it's an incredible place. And the people were so wonderful and, and excited to have you in their towns. Like when we went into smaller towns, like the, the whole town was just so excited and wanted to celebrate and, and show off their restaurant because it was their restaurant. It's theirs, right? This is my, I'm, I, you're coming into my town. This is my place. And you got to eat here because of this. Uh, so it was just so, so I, I'm going to miss that part at all. Uh, 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 yeah, the cooking and the meeting the chefs was was always great, but it was really, I think the most fun I always had was the interviews with the customers. And I wish, like we've got a shit ton of tape on that stuff. And I, I really wish that they would just throw it up and see it. Like, like the way the, the TV is, you cut so quickly and stuff like that. Like we have, we have so much. We're sitting down talking to somebody for 10, 12 minutes at times. Some, you know, some were great. 
Some were not. Some people didn't want to talk and stuff like that. But some people were just so happy to talk and so excited to just let go and have fun. Uh, and those were the those were the, those were the fun times. It, listen, it was tough. It was tough being away from my wife and my kids. It's a uh, you know I I <laughs> I quit my day job to pursue acting and comedy and all that stuff. And as a, like a full time performer, you're always like. I wish I had a, a steady gig. You know, these one-offs are great, but you wish you have a steady gig. <laughs> I get a steady gig and I'm like, fuck, I wish I had just some one-offs. I don't want to shave every day. You know, <laughs> I, don't have to, I just want to just, I, I, I quit my day job so I didn't have to wake up at uh, eight o'clock in the morning. The grass is always green. It always is. It's always, yeah. But you know, for a show that seemingly could go on forever yeah, and not even just in Canada, but you know, it, it has success, you know, portfolio entertainment distribute it to 50 territories. Yeah. Was it a complete, shock to hear the news that you gotta eat here won't be returning for a sixth season well we kind of were like we we stopped shooting in uh not this june the june before and so we were waiting to hear right we were like okay let's let's gonna what's gonna happen and then there was like you know chorus and shaw merged so that kind of put stuff on hold and you know we were we we kind of assumed just from feedback and stuff that people were still enjoying the show uh and i i just think i think the Television has changed in this country and is changing in this country. The CRTC rules changed as well. So you didn't really have to produce as much Canadian content uh, as before. Not that that was the only reason our show was was people were watching it because it was Canadian content, but that helped for sure, right? It helps many productions in this country. But I guess I was, the longer it went and the longer we weren't told that was going to happen, like there was part of me that's like, okay, I guess it's not going to happen, right? And so when we when we finally got the word, I was like, at the same time, I was it took a while for me for it to just like sink in. I, I remember putting the video up, the little video that I I put up saying thanks for watching the show. Listen, it didn't get picked up, uh, but I had known that for a couple of months. So it's just like it, it kind of walked around like within a little days, right? It was five years of my life, six years, you know, with the downtime and all that stuff. So uh, I guess if I had known it was my last season, I think maybe I would have appreciated it right. a little more. And I really wish we had a chance to like do like a goodbye episode right, or something right. like that, right? To say a thank you to the viewers. It, it, I, I was pleasantly surprised. And really, it was just like touched when so many people reached out, you know, industry people, but also just fans of the show that were uh, happy that the the show existed and and brought information and love to their lives and stuff like that. But also, uh, they were so sad. And yeah. disappointed and upset, uh, and I was just like, "Oh wow!" I was like, like, so because you, you you know people watch the show and like the show, but when you get that connection with people, it's it's pretty special. Well, like you said, it's a lot about you connecting with people within the show. You're very relatable. You know, as much as we can hear about food, and again, you know, with shows like Diners, Drive-ins, and Dives, there's so much in we're just so inundated with food shows yeah. and people and these celebrities. And when it comes to a connection. Canadian icon, we really definitely try to put them in a spotlight because if we like somebody, we'll do everything in our power to make sure they know that Canadian artists, especially are easily to be reached via social media. Like you said, you know, you put something out on your personal Twitter and you had this amazing reception. Does that ever make you think, wow, I could probably do something independently? I mean, 
you know, you got to eat here could work on the internet just as well as it does online. And I watch a lot of your show on foodnetwork.ca, sure. you know, so what's stopping John Cattucci from doing something independent online? Is this something you thought of? Am I probing too much and maybe you no, don't want to talk about I, no, it? No, I, like, I, I, I really, honestly, Alex, I, I really don't know what that next thing is. Do I want to do another show similar to you got to eat here where i'm traveling and, and interviewing people yes i i think uh, eventually i'd like to do something like that do i want to do it more uh in studio where i'm just interviewing people and cooking with them i, I think i'd like to do that as well interesting uh, the, uh I, I, I remember being a kid and there was there was this sh- i can't remember who it was but it was like having canadian interview show but you were cooking with them as well at the same time and just shooting their shit and having fun do we have that celebrity vibe in Canada now as uh, 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 we'll never have it like it is in the States, right? This industry where we have those people that could come on and do that stuff. Uh, Like I'd love to do a talk show. You know what I mean? I'd I think love, you could. Yeah, I'd love to do that, man. It'd be, it'd be, I think it would be so much fun. I'd love to also do an old timey um, a variety show. You know what I mean? Like that'll be that would be fun too. Uh, I see you on the internet. Yeah. You know, you've done the television thing, and especially with uh, David Maziano in the doo ops. You know, you've you have your kind of live performance gig down. Yeah. That's your shtick there, and you know you have some television odd appearances in your acting career. But this is really the first time we've gotten the chance to know who John Catucci is. And I think everyone's really appreciated that through You Gotta Eat here. So I think you have an opportunity here to, you know, even if it's done in your own home, yeah, your yeah. own kitchen, I mean, keep it simple, yeah. you know, and and I want to talk a little bit more about your, your other um, lines of work that you've dabbled in and you're <laughs> yes. currently working in. Uh, and then we'll get back to the food. I want to talk about the doo-wops only because I'm a huge fan. Oh, I mean, thanks, seeing you and David currently with the Just For Last Takeover, you guys did the ethnic show, but even beforehand, I got to see you on Jeff Paul's show at the Dopen Mic. Yeah. Uh, and you two, like over 15 years later, it's like nothing's changed. It's still the the best I've seen you guys. Uh, thanks. Yeah. It's, it was great. I, mean, it, I think with, when I was shooting the show, I, we couldn't do anything. We could, Dave and I couldn't perform. I was never home for six years for yeah, five, six years. Yeah. So there was a, there was a break there and I think it, it was, it was needed. You know what I mean? We had been performing together for 13, 14 years at the time. And we kind of needed that break apart from each other to kind of like grow as people and then bring back those experiences back to the duo and then try to figure out, does our stuff work? Is it funny still? Does the stuff we wrote, we wrote 12 years ago, uh, cause we kind of like, yeah, we're comedy, but we are also musicians and, and singers. And so we, we, we kind of, there's that line that we kind of blur. So people still want to hear our old songs cause they know the songs and they kind of want to sing along with the songs. So it's always a weird sort of, uh, writing new songs and new bits, but still mixing in the old stuff in there too. Cause people still want to hear those old songs. So it was, it was, it was a great experience. So we, we did, uh, when we got asked to do the ethnic show and be back at just, just for laughs and we hadn't been there for, shit like 10 years so it, it, it was uh it was an incredible experience uh they we got worked hard like it was great you know what i mean like we were working every single night we uh, the ethnic show we were doing we had like 19 performances of that plus we did a whole bunch of outdoor shows because they had set up a, a, a an outdoor stage free for people to come in so we we, 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 we were kept telling the, the outdoor producer we're like listen our songs are not family friendly so are we gonna have families coming in she was they should, there could be families here i was like you need to go tell them that we're singing songs about blowjobs and such that it might not be appropriate for your children uh and they're like okay we'll do that no problem i was like wait great that's good and so we had these really great 
outdoor shows, which was, it was kind of magical because we're, we're, we're just on the edge of St. Catharines, uh, uh, in between these two buildings and they set up a stage and people were like sitting down and standing up on the sides and, uh, just behind us, there were all these food trucks. So I could try, we were trying to, we kept trying to convince people to get us churros <laughs> the entire time. Love and it. So what, uh, you I think would it was, I would, it would, and they were great churros. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> oh, you got them. Oh, we got <laughs> them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, so that's been great. Like Dave is a great performer, oh, great guitarist. So I love Dave. Uh, and and I think the thing is when we when we uh, hit together, our, our harmonies are so pretty and beautiful and that you can get away with so much in harmony. Like you can just tell an audience to go fuck themselves. But as long as it's in harmony, they're like, oh my god, it, sound, <laughs> it sounded so good. Yeah, Dave and you have this amazing back and forth, this yeah. amazing banter. You guys, you guys jab each other all the time and. And instead of just kind of working up each other, someone's like, oh, I'm sorry. Or like, I, I appreciate that. Or thank you. You know what I mean? You guys are so good. And I guess the Italian thing has something to do with your like, brothers. Yeah. And it's, and it's, we're such different personalities. Like it's almost like the odd, like we're the odd couple, but in musical form, you know, like I just feel like I'm a fucking slob. You know what I mean? Like, and next to Dave, who's always like, Clean cut. Clean perfectly. You know, he's just like just perfectly done up all the time. And I'm just feel like a schlep. You know what I mean? But it works. Abbott and Costello. It works so well together. You know totally. what I mean? And uh there are a couple times when I when we weren't performing where I, I was doing some stand-up on my own. And it's scary. Being on your stage on your own is fucking scary, man. Yeah, having a, that safety net in David Meziano is definitely key. Oh, yeah. This is this is my pitch for you, John Do it. Do it. Tell okay. me. No. It's, it's an internet-based show. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Daryl Hall from Hall & Oates. Uh-huh. He does something called Daryl's House. Okay. So this is John's house. Yeah. Uh, it's a half-cooking show. Yeah. Uh, David Meziano is your stand-in band. Yes. Where, so, so you're cooking with your guests. Yeah. And then you're going to perform with Dave while maybe something's waiting to cook. Yes. Maybe Dave, Dave's doing like musical commentary. Yes. And it's all done on the internet. It's maybe 10 minutes and it's a YouTube channel. Oh, I like this. Right? I like Do you get points from this now? Do I get a writing credit? Yeah, you you're asking credit? <laughs> you get, we'll talk after, we'll talk the, we'll talk after <laughs> the show. So coming back to Canada, coming back to You, you Gotta Eat here. Yeah. You know, the internet plays a huge role now. Social media plays yeah. a huge role. Role. We're, we're, you're kind of shadowed by the American version of all of this stuff. What is it like to be referred to as the Canadian Guy Fieri? Yeah, I mean, like, no matter what, you're always going to be compared to somebody else, right? Like, uh, for the longest time, it was Guy Fieri, and I'll be like, yeah, but I'm not, you're just trying. The thing was, the, the, the thing that bothered me the most was, like, you're just trying to be him. I was like, I'm really not. I'm not doing that at all. But I guess that just, I guess the idea of going to restaurants is what everybody compares to, right? But if you watch any cooking show, like all the, before like the competition shows, there were all the, like the, just like the, the shows where you just see people dump stuff into a pot and cook stuff. And Pasquale. Whatever, Pasquale or, you know, or Jada or, or, uh, Wina, whatever it was, it was still just a chef cooking. You're right. Right. And so no one said, oh, you're trying to be that person. It's just a cooking thing. So I guess it comes down to personality. Yeah. You're watching because there's a big burger in front of me, but you're also, if you didn't like my personality, you wouldn't watch the show. There's that that happens as well. I remember when it, when it first started airing, in the UK on the Good Food Channel, they had uh, Man vs. Food 
on, the, on the show. And then people would be, compare me to him. Like, You're just trying to be Adam Richman. I'm like, I'm really not. I'm, I'm just being me. And and if you know me, that's very, I mean, it's, it's a cleaned up version of me on the TV show, right? I can't swear nearly as much as I want to. Uh, and when we first started talking about the show, I was like, I want to be able to say, fuck, that's really good. Or fuck, that's tasty. And they were like, oh, I don't you know. The network's like, oh, I don't know. I'm just like, okay, so it's very funny that in Canada they don't want us swearing but they'll buy shows that have British guys that are swearing and it's okay and it's charming because he's got an accent you know there's, there's, you know what I mean like so it's just like let the people that you've hired be who they are because that's where the joy will come don't be like we love what you do don't do anything don't do it though I see Canada because of these let's call them issues yeah becoming more of an independent media producing kind of territory and you know with the internet the ability to create celebrity sometimes out of nothing or if there's a celebrity that has that little taste of 15 minutes and they want to go to the internet to evolve yeah. that celebrity you know we can't rely on Canadian broadcasters to you know understand that a show that's been going on for over 150 episodes and has a huge following if you just stick it out there's so much more to work with here or you know like you said if Seinfeld was done here it might only get one season my point is, is it's these issues that are causing great Canadian talent, producers, directors, like you mentioned, to kind of go on their own, find independent funding or use, you know, minimal equipment and gear and broadcasting and put it on YouTube, put it on the Internet where it again, it can be distributed independently. You know, I think it's causing this which is not a bad thing yeah. but eventually the broadcasters will go shit what why didn't we continue this or well, yeah i think cuz i think the uh, everything is changing right like will there be networks in 10 years I don't know. Well, will there be internet networks? Uh, yes, that, that's, that's and there right, already yeah. are. I mean, sure. you know I mean, well, but, but will, will, will they that, dominate? Will they dominate as sure. opposed to the traditional network? But also, they are currently. I mean, how often are you on YouTube? How often are you on the internet searching stuff? I mean, how often are you on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, like watching your friends, your these comedians sure. you love? You know, that's how I know you and Nug are at NXT, yeah. and it's not even a source of, you know, what are my friends doing? I get to see what celebrities or what people who are artists that I admire in my own city, you get connected to them. You see what they're up to. It's almost like research for me because I get to talk to you, but I get to get a day in the life, for sure. you know, and I can't imagine the same thing happens in America when your stardom is too big to connect to your fans. Yeah. There's a disconnect. And I think the connection here in Toronto is, you know, you especially being from Toronto, in Toronto's love for food, we take someone like you who's represented us well all around the country and you come back home and we probably treat you better than most bigger celebrities can because we can connect to sure. you. I bet on any given day in Toronto, walking the street, people say, hey, John, or come up to you like they know who you are because yeah, yeah. they do. Toronto's a huge food city. We know that. That's why Speaking Duck, this podcast exists. Uh, we know Toronto loves its food. The actual first episode of this uh, second season is with Zane Kaplansky. Nice. So, of course, you did your episode there and, yeah. and you showed off some of Toronto's amazing culinary uh, restaurants. Where does John Catucci take his family in Toronto? Uh, it's funny. I'm like a homebody, right? Like, I, or I, I kind of like my neighborhood and I like being in there and love I love it. eating in that neighborhood. So, like, I've got a great bakery on, on St. Clair called Tremari that's been there for 
60 years, at least same, same family. It's like third generation who's on it now. And I've been going there for all my life, 44 years. We've been going there every year, every day. Like, cause I, we used to live on St. Clair. Then my aunt lived on St. Clair. Then my uncle had a restaurant on St. Clair. So that's where we get his bread from. So we would go get bread for him at this place. And so, uh, now moving back into Corso Italia in that area, just going to that place and connecting and now connecting with the brothers who own that place. It's just been a, a, a wild ride seeing that. And you know, you're there too much when the lady behind the deli counter says, I'll see you tomorrow. So that's, <laughs> that's a little much. Then like right across the street, my buddy George owns Frank's pizza house. Don't ask. And they, that family has owned that pizzeria for 30 years, something like that at least, uh, and, you know, he makes an amazing calzone. So I'll just go. Oh. And he's a buddy of mine from from high school. Right. So I go in there and I have a calzone and I sit at the counter and I and I and I watch George make pizza. And I'm like, oh, as a child, that was one of my dream jobs to be a pizza yolo. Right. And he's like, you can always come back here. Hey. If you want to, I'm like, oh, do I need a do I need a gig? Do I need? A, you know, <laughs> so we go there. That's where I get my pizza. There's a great sushi place on St. Clair, too, called uh, Sushi California. And that's just like some of the best sushi I've had. Like, and we've eaten sushi all across the country uh so that's great marcello's is an italian restaurant at st Clair and dufferin there's a theme here john i love italian i will eat italian sushi's in there as well there's also a great portuguese chicken place not too far from me so i'm doing that emma's country kitchen oh my is not god too far which from is me also as well. featured on your show so, so that's i mean best I, I, brunch in the city it's incredible best, it's one of the uh, few places that i was eating bacon at because i knew they were making it in house right? right but they make their biscuits in, in their house. donuts everything, everything is made in house sausage burger yeah. it's all good there and, uh, and, and and Heather and Rachel are just such great women and, and they love that place. And you can tell they, they love what they're doing because it shows off in the food that they're, they're serving their customers. And I, and I'm always there, you know what I mean? Like, so, uh, uh when you have such great places around you, I, I'm kind of spoiled. Uh, but then, you know, if I want some ramen, I'm going to Kinton and like, there's such great amazing different Toronto places. is yeah. extraordinary one because you've traveled extensively all, all, all around Canada yeah so you can tell how much Toronto has it better well, in I mean, a lot like, of ways the, I mean just as in your choices for availability. availability your international cuisine and stuff like that which is great man because like, you can walk three blocks four blocks in either direction and you're in a, in a whole other whole other world right and then you've got like the the four uh, uh, Korean barbecue places and then you travel a little more and then there's uh, Jewish delis and then there's you go here and then there's uh, all the Italian stuff and then you go here there's the Portuguese places and like it's that's what's so great about this about this city man we have the space for it too yeah we have the space for it and we have that love for trying F food for new uh, things outs outside of our yeah our culture which wouldn't sound like you're doing that much with all the italian <laughs> restaurants but i still do it i go for the sushi all the time the portuguese chicken's in there the kinton ramen i'm there at least uh once every other other month for sure but sometimes when david and i are performing at the riv we're, we're like uh, should we go are we having ramen prior to the gig because i think we should and then we go there what else a nice burger you know i mean like you got, a burger town. toronto's got a lot of there's a lot of burgers well what makes good let's start with pizza in toronto what maybe shout out a place that you may not have already done so but what makes good pizza what are you expecting when you walk into a pizzeria oh that's a good question man uh like the sauce has got to be bang on, right? The sauce has got to be, it can't be too sweet. It can't be too tangy. You need to have the perfect sauce, 
right? And then you also have that 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 sauce dough combination. I think any place you gotta have you gotta try their cheese pizza. I think that's that's the test, right? If you if you have a slice or or, or, or a cheese pizza and it hits everything that you want, then you know the rest of the stuff is going to be good on it. Like it's like that. having a cheeseburger at a place, right? Like then th- that's, that's my test, right? I like so that. I like my dough a little crunchy. I like the edge is nice and crunchy. I still like a little chew to my dough. Uh, I don't like it too thick. Uh, Are we folding it? Is it a square piece? Uh, I like a good fold, right? Like if you get a nice triangle, you get a good fold, but then you get some nice, pl- like there's a place called Chow Roma up in Vaughn that does uh, Roman style pizza. And uh, it's a big rectangle, but then you get, it's called Altaglio by the cut. And so you just, you can cut off a slice and they weigh it. So you can get the one that's got the, the cheese one or the all meat one and this, oh, and you can this. try or you could try which one you like. Uh, and that's, and that's a great place. There's another pizzeria in, uh, they have one Burlington and in Hamilton called Naroma. Uh, so it's like a mix of Neapolitan and Roman pizza, but that guy there, he ri- rises his dough, slow rises his dough for like 72 hours. Wow. And it's inc- the dough is incredible. And I, I, I'm a big fan of like the crust, right? Like if you see the crust put aside and somebody's laying the crust, there's something wrong with the dough. Here, yeah. And also you don't need a fucking dipping sauce. All right? If you're obsessed with you need a dipping sauce, there's something wrong with your pizza. That's right. No ranch. No, no, no fucking in Italy ranch. knows what ranch is. No garlicky <laughs> dipping sauce. Just eat your fucking pizza. No, that's true. That comes from shitty chain pizza, right? You know, pizza pizza being like the go-to for every party you've been to where people are let's say cheaping out on the pizza that you have to have that dipping sauce because you're eating cardboard. I remember when I was a kid and the first pizza pizza opened up, we were, we went insane. Yeah. Because the slices were like, they would have a large pizza and you get a quarter of that pizza as a slice, man. It was massive and tons of pepperoni. And I guess when, when, uh, I guess when you hit a chain, it's hard to have that quality and stuff like that. But you, those one-offs, I mean, I love the one-off places, man. I love those places. I love the community. I love the, I love those mom and pop shops. Uh, as much as, as much as, you know, those restaurants that you love that open up and hopefully when they open up and they expand, their quality stays great. Uh, we were raised on San Francisco's. Oh, you were down there. Yeah. I'm, my parents are Jewish. They're from the Bathurst Manor. We're, we're Italian light, yes, you know, yes, yes. but like we were in between Woodbridge. So it would be desserts plus yeah, or uh, San Francesco's for our Italian fixes. And that was on, on, on Clinton, that one. Uh, so that's the, the originals yeah, there. Yeah. Um, we went to the one in North York. So it was like okay. Finch and it was like Finch West. Yeah. Like near, so uh, near right Deckford. across from the original one is on Clinton. Right. Just south of college. Is Batondos. So right across the street from San Francesco is Batondos. And Batondos is this tiny pizzeria that has been there as long as I remember. Again, for uh, uh, 50 plus years. Uh, and they have like the painted pizzas on the window. And that, that hasn't changed at all. The really? interior of the pizzeria has not changed in all that time. And they're, they're famous for their panzerotti and if you haven't had a panzerotto you you need to do it's just basically a dough like it's like pizza folded over with cheese and sauce and then deep fried <laughs> it's glorious and every time i'm in that area in that hood i will sneak up uh the back ways and get onto get onto clinton and you know park my car legally and then go get in for a panzerotto you can't park legally anywhere no, though. there's not. always cars full you're always parked right in front of batondo so you can watch your car exactly. in case it's being ticketed exactly. and that's the pl- and this little place doesn't deliver right so it, you know it's been around for years and it doesn't deliver but people still go because it's so bang on it really is my favorite pizza really am in the city 
city but yeah. tondo's like i my girlfriend's a, a pizza snob and when she's craving it late at night there's really minimal options and i don't like necessarily pizziola okay, it's good but i won't go to it if i if i don't have to yeah you know and i can't do any of the other chains i can't do pizza nova i can't do i just can't it's you should just, do Fra- you should try frank's where is that again? St. Clair? Oh, St. Clair, uh, not St. Clair, west of Lansdowne on the on the north side. West of Lansdowne. Oh, sorry, sorry, no, I'm sorry. East of Lansdowne. East of Lansdowne. Uh, it, and they're the, open late? Late-ish. Like, late-ish. What time are you looking at? What time? Come midnight? On. I want oh, like the little, late night slice. I don't want to, I'm not a whole pizza guy. Yeah, see, they don't do slices. You'd have to get a whole pizza oh, and then so eat it go. cold the next day, which is even better. <laughs> yeah. So when you're at home. Yeah. Are you a snacker? Are you a healthy eater? Are you a Uber Eats abuser? You know, I know, I know, I uh, I haven't used any of the of the apps yet, which I should because I'm like the moment, like I, you know, you could just order whatever you want whenever you want. Not necessarily a good thing. Should you? I don't know if you I should. Don't know. It's too easy. <laughs> I'm like a eleven o'clock Nutella on some toast snacker that's my that's my go-to or if there's cookies in the house i'll warm up some milk and i'll dip some cookies like biscotti no like if there's like again they're italian cookies you're gonna grand turquese they're called <laughs> there's, they're just it's the kind of cookie where it's just a quick dunk because anything longer than like a, 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 two seconds it's gone and it's melted in there and it's oh, just mush awesome. uh there's that or uh this was the first year i've done a garden Hey, okay. Uh, and uh, I didn't do it. We ha- we hired a company to come in and do it. <laughs> you maintained it. I you watered made, it. You watered it. got to water it. Thank, thank you. I reminded me. I got to go water my garden. But we had so many tomatoes this year. It was oh, wow. incredible. And I and and like the, the, there were the tomatoes, like those little cherry tomatoes of my of my youth. So much flavor, so sweet, uh, and just you know picking them off the vine and just eating them. It's just oh, it's just been so good. Making any sauce. We may, you know what? It's funny. My next door neighbors, they make sauce every year. And so they, they, for the past two years, I've, I've made sauce with them and we never did. Cause I grew up in a condo. So we never had that. It's like my, my parents didn't make their own wine, didn't make their own sauce. You know, we didn't have a, we didn't have a cold cellar. We didn't have a cantina. So it's not like we were uh, curing meats <laughs> anywhere. Right. Right. You know, we, we, we I had leave pr- it to an Italian to do it in a condo sure. though. Right. Yeah. I mean, we had a prosciutto hanging in my closet oh, yeah. at all times, but that's just for uh, when your family comes over you just take bites off of it. Uh, <laughs> No hands. You no just hands. Just just grab just grab <laughs> <laughs> so, a homemade pasta, or you know, is somebody in your family making homemade? Pa- is there no, a certain we, brand of pasta that you like? Yeah, we kind of like. I kind of gravitate to Barilla. Okay. I, I like it. Uh, yeah, that's what. That's that. And the sauces for years. I don't know. There was. There was. Uh, I. I don't know what it was in my head where you're kind of like pushing away your culture. You're trying to be like, I'm not gonna do that making my own sauce i'm not gonna do that i don't have to do that stuff so for years i'd buy my own sauce and just like canned uh, jarred sauce and just do that and add a whole bunch of shit to it but then i'm just like when i moved out and i remember calling my mom like ma just tell me how to make a sauce she's like it's simple just do this get some tomatoes and get some onion and some garlic and you're set i was like oh it's so simple and the, the flavor thing is just it's so much better right it's but for years i fought against that i fought against that that part of me i don't know why and realizing how important the meals are, although I'm fucking lazy, right? Like I will be like, let's, I think we're just going to order in or we're going to go out. We're going to do that. You know, there's a fantastic shawarma place in my hood too. That's just so good. Like now I want shawarma. Uh, Yeah. Let's go to my people. We're talking now. Oh yeah. Uh, What makes good pasta? Like I'm a pasta snob. I, my mom ruined pasta for me as a kid. Did she make it? 
No, oh. not handmade, uh, but it would be like a watery meat sauce, uh, overcooked spaghetti. Yeah, yeah. So when somebody, uh, Jesse Valens from uh, the Maple Leaf Tavern, he's like, you got to talk. I had him on, on last season. He's yeah. like, you got to talk to my buddy, John Sinopoli. He owns a restaurant called Ascari Enoteca. Okay. All handmade pasta. Oh, beautiful. The best carbonara I've ever had. <sighs> And you watch them make it. It's only like maybe a 25-seater. It's an Italian wine bar, essentially. Yeah. It's named after the famous uh, F1 Italian racer. I, he's been on this show, too, and, and I can't go anywhere else now that I've uh -huh. been there. Like, I, somebody took me to a Taroni the other day, and I was like, guys, like, you're spending almost double the amount. There's 400 people. You're at the Midtown location. Yeah. I couldn't get a word in. I couldn't get a thought in. The pasta was too al dente. I could tell it wasn't made in-house. And I'm just saying to myself, why do people bother? Yeah. You either got to go. And listen, I can understand at home, hot water. You want good Barilla pasta or wherever it's from. Yeah. And then you go out for the good stuff. Where are you going for the good stuff? Or is, is your grandma to, yeah. or somebody in no, the family? No, my grandmother's dead. Uh, so the ghost of my grandmother's making us. It's fantastic. It's so great. Uh, Campagnolo on Dundas. He, uh, Craig makes his own pasta as well. And it's a, it's not a big place, but he's making all this pasta in house. And, uh, I was there with dinner with my wife, but half a year ago, maybe. And it's homemade tagliatelle. And it was a uh, truffle season. So it was just tagliatelle in a, in like a butter Parmesan sauce. So sold. And he came over and he just had these black truffles and he was just shaving them on it. And just the aroma the earthiness of that truffle mixed in with the the parmesan and the butter and the t it was it was one of those dishes that my, my I'm just I still talk about it and my my hair stands up it's just it was incredible it was one of the most beautiful delicious pasta dishes I've ever had and again homemade pasta so there's the, a different texture there's a different bite to it and again you don't feel you don't feel heavy after right there's no preservatives there's nothing that's just it's just beauty it's what it's love mouthfeel yeah that was such a weird you don't like mouthfeel it's a weird word isn't it somebody oh man somebody said something feel. somebody's uh oh i gotta get the word for you it was like <laughs> it was like the chew skew oh no that's when you punch the person um <laughs> so i would like to think that that's one of your most memorable dining experiences when you just explained at campanolo campanolo yeah Campagnolo. i can't i'm not really good with the italian pass. Uh, what thank you very much uh it's the jew uh, <laughs> you know what was your first kind of experience Experience. Was it your dad giving you the ragu as a kid? But as a kid, what was it that kind of sparked this? Okay, I'm an ED. I want to talk about food. I live for food. And that now fast forward to your experiences where you can really appreciate and understand where that appreciation is coming from in your adult experiences. Yeah. What's the first like restaurant experience as a kid where you're like, okay, I, you know, because you talk about service being very important too and how service obviously makes food taste better. Where are you experiencing this as a kid? I mean, especially with parents that maybe didn't take you out so much much where was the the place you went to as a family it's funny because as growing up we never really went out for meals the italian way Ital like my dad be like why am i gonna go out when i can make you that right and my dad had a way of like tasting something and knowing how to make it wow. like there was a time where uh we're big on subs you know what i mean like and my dad would just make he would make subs he would get the bread he got the right cheese it had to be that white long cheddar cheese what uh, cheddar in quotes uh and then he had the shredded lettuce and then he had the you know he, he made his own dressing for that it was like the old school mr sub subs you know what i mean like you had it too easy no wonder uh, he was good man he was my dad was good go out 
Yeah, so am I. My dad was good, man. When I, I guess uh, the servicey that sort of stuff came from. I, I uh, all through high school worked at a, an Italian restaurant called Villa Borghese. It was at Bloor in Royal York. Uh, uh, the owner Ezio D'Aprile w- was a stickler for perfection in his restaurant, uh, and it was an old school Italian restaurant. I had been there for years, and I started working there when I was uh, 14, 13. and it had already been open for. 20, 30 years prior to that. Now it's called Vibo, and um, uh, one of the sons own it, owns it now, uh, Luca, and uh, it's it was still a fabulous restaurant, but the, the idea of service was smashed into my head there. And as a kid, 13-year-old, 14-year-old, uh, he would, my <laughs> Ezio would, would call me on the Saturday, Catucci, I can't come in early. You open the restaurant and he'd drive by my house, give me the key to the restaurant and I'd open it for the chefs and I'd go in and I'd like make the garlic bread, get rid of the garlic bread, vacuum the whole plate. Like he put a lot of responsibility on my shoulders uh, as a 13, 14 year old wow. kid. And, but it was that service that, that the connection between the food and the service. And I mean, and, and, and the love of the restaurants, the love of, of families who own restaurants. I had uncles who owned restaurants and I saw the struggle that they like, it's a tough fucking job, man. High risk. It's high risk. It's stressful. You're always on. You're always on. You know what I mean? Like, and you're always worried, especially if that, that like, that's your business. But with that business, you're feeding your family as well, right? You're feeding your family. Your kids are going to school because of that. Like, you, you're paying your mortgages. You're paying your debt from that, from serving other people. Like, that's a tough, tough gig. Uh, especially and, today with the internet. And, you know, like you were talking about how you did t- Just for Laughs 10 years ago when there was no Twitter, there was no Instagram. It was a lot different. I bet the experience in general you're like okay we're done they're like no 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 now you have to be online for the next six hours and now these restaurants are like okay we're closed like no 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 the guest that was here four days ago has now decided to rip you apart for you know something that they could have just brought to your attention nicely yeah being at just for laughs this year so many of the comics were always shooting stuff and putting stuff online and weird stuff yeah it it was weird because it's it's there's part of that life that I grew up in with the comics and stuff like that was that, that, that stuff is just for you guys, that backstage stuff. That's just for you. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to share it with anybody. Uh, but I guess everybody wants to see behind that curtain, right? That's important too. But I forgot how much the joy of just hanging around with comics and being completely inappropriate and just being free and not worrying about what you're saying and how you're saying it and and finding that one person in the room who has their shoulders up and everybody going after that person all the comics were just like ah, we're like dying it's just i just missed that it was so much fun but and that did exist and that was there but still at the same time people were like okay i'm gonna shoot a video but i'm gonna shoot a video of you shooting that video and then i'm gonna go live of you shooting oh. the video, of you shooting that video. Like I was doing that. I was doing the live stuff sure, backstage. Sure. So I think that's exciting because I think yeah. I, I, me as a as a, a lover of live performance, I love seeing that too. Right. right. I love seeing behind that curtain and seeing what happens just before they go on stage. Right. There's 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 excitement there. Uh, so we were doing that a lot. But the whole idea of like shooting funny videos to to put online to help. Bring people to your to your site and to your and to your page and to get more followers and do this, like that whole idea of of having followers is. I still have to go. Okay, you need to do that. That's part of what th- this culture is right now. Like, and so many performers and like uh, managers and agents in the states. Are, that's a big thing that they ask for. They're like, okay, how many followers do you have oh, on social yeah. media? Oh, yeah. and I'm like, oh man, is that that, that really? 
Well, you got to eat here, which is interesting because it has a really interesting Twitter following. Like the people on Twitter love it. They'll like hashtag different food tours they're doing. They're like, I'm hitting up these locations in Calgary, hashtag YGEH, you know, like that's a huge thing that, I mean, I know it's hard to separate yourself or feel like you're a part of what the show is, but it's so true. Without you got to eat here, there isn't John Cattucci as the host. And without John Cattucci as the host, there isn't you got to eat here. So when you see this kind of social media, you know, explosion that's happening around your show, maybe like mid second or third season, yeah. are you using that to your advantage? Are you on Twitter more? Are they on asking you to be on social media more? I don't think they asked. I think I just kind of like did that myself. Uh, so I think if you follow me, you you, you see a mix of comedy, uh, food, and and uh, a lot of politics, a lot of political stuff. Actually, yeah, yeah, I'm a big political junkie. I mean, I went to. I was a, a poli sci major from York, okay. uh, so that's what I graduated in, as well as like audiovisual production. Maybe stuff. Maybe I but, skimmed over that. I'm just looking well, for videos. Yeah, yeah. And, I tend to, I tend stuff. to like, I'm proudly liberal. As you should uh, be. I should be, I guess. I don't know. But like, uh, I kind of, especially with the whole Trump stuff and the whole, all that stuff that's happening in the States, I, I uh, it's just the, the hypocrisy of, of, of that side that exists. And I, I, I can't help but push it forward and, 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 and like call bullshit on it. Especially, I mean, like we can go back in our history uh, when Rob Ford was around and the whole fiasco of Ford and the brother, Fo- the brothers Ford, like I was on the road when all it was happening and I just follow my Twitter and I go, you can't, you know, my, my crew, you can't believe what he said today or what he did today. And oh my God. And so my crew would, they knew all they had to do was mention the name Rob Ford. And now I just go, did you hear? And I would just explode. And I, and, and it's funny. People would, come at me and say you know we started following you because you're funny or we started following you because of the food and now you're just talking too much about politics and i'm like like you're following me you're following me there's an unfollow but if you don't like it you don't have to follow me anymore you can mute it you can delete it's fine it's okay but i'm gonna talk about this stuff that stuff is important yeah the trick is to just look for david maziano in his videos (laughs) and you'll have a a much better time greater experience guys so when you're i mean you've spent some time in the states too you gotta eat here has done a couple shoots in the states as well you know is it really that black and white when you're in a restaurant full of Americans trying to interact with them and they don't really know who you are. You're like, who's this non-Guy Fieri guy? Let's go back a bit. When we first started shooting here in Canada, the first season, we were going blind. No one knew who the show, who we were, what the show sure, was. Good point. So you kind of had to like explain to them what the show was about and what was happening. And uh, people were a little reluctant to sit down and talk. And then we kind of quickly built uh, a following in Canada. And so then when we started doing it in the States, we kind of had to, that had to happen all again, but we kind of knew a little more on how to approach it. And I, again, also was a little more comfortable with my role as the host. Uh, so there are times where people didn't know who the hell I was, you know what I mean? And, and we would talk and we would you know, discuss with them. Other times people had, it's funny because some people had seen the show because uh, I guess, um, you know, you could still on the border towns and stuff like that. You could still catch Canadian channels and, and, sure. and that stuff. But mostly, we were going in blind. But it was still cool. And again, I think because we 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 all were a little more confident. We also we all had a, a couple of seasons under our belt uh, of of what to expect. Would you ever walk into a restaurant even today? 
and people are like, oh, John Gattucci's here. Where's the camera crew? Are we on the show now? Is this what's happening? How often does that happen? I don't think about the camera crew, but I think people do. They don't see, I mean, just when they see you, are they like expecting a camera crew? Are they expecting like, do you ever walk into a restaurant for the first time because you want to try it? And they're like, oh, you got to eat here. It's, it's here. <laughs> well, you get that. You get a little bit of that, right? You get. Uh, it's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. It is cool. I mean, I, it's, it's funny. I was at this. Uh, it's funny to go back to restaurants you've shot at. Right. You know, that you've kind of like. I had a relationship with and you like the food and you know it's going to be good so you kind of go back nice I remember going back to this uh, restaurant called Uncle Betty's uh, it's on Young Street for sure uh, Young uh, near Lawrence south of Lawrence I think yeah uh, and um, uh, I had gone in there just for some lunch and I sat that there and talked to a couple of waiters that I remember from the shooting and there were people there who just by chance the show had aired the night before and their episode had aired the night before and uh, people were in the show and, and, and it's it's so weird for people to see me in the restaurant when they've just seen me on tv at that restaurant so it's a bit of a mind fuck for them and that's kind of fun yeah, also. I bet. uh but people are like oh my god we do you know we were we're leaving for edmonton today and, and we saw the show yesterday and we had to come and i was like oh cool you know that's 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 really cool so that's always that's always fun you know i mean we were i remember one time going back we were in halifax and we had gone back to a, a pizzeria called salvatore's and it's another one that's been there for ages and me and my uh the sound guy scott chapel we were sitting down we were having some food and there was this couple that was there that had taken a road trip from ontario and they were hitting restaurants that were on the show that i think the first book had come out at that time and they were just following the the route on the uh, in the book and hitting restaurants and then they were in halifax and they were like oh my god we were just this is you oh, this is you and this is this is the, what's happening here <laughs> you weren't supposed to be in this page we didn't see john gattucci's a uh, long time stand in here at this restaurant at all times um, as a lover of bacon i, I just want to get a couple more questions in about you got to eat here you obviously bacon's your favorite food which is <laughs> funny because when i think italians i think guanciale Listen, you know? i like, like, I, I, like I like bacon i don't always have to have bacon there was a people people are obsessed with bacon just everybody needs to chill the fuck out <laughs> just chill out it's bacon is good uh, yes don't worry it's 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 great but uh there are time where i was just like okay i'm eating so much fucking bacon on the show you, you got to be careful what you tell people is your favorite thing <laughs> right yeah because i'm sure like every bacon restaurant that you pass through they're like oh i know this guy loves bacon i'm gonna give him this bacon dish that has extra bacon and extra then bacon. The ba it's gonna be wrapped in bacon then baked in bacon that's right and then deep fried around I, I mean i'm sure you experience like what's the most like lavish or like extreme thing you saw whether it's bacon or not on you gotta eat here there was a tur we had a, a turducken sandwich <laughs> in and it was massive and it was in london at it's going to come to me. Hold on. I'm going to look at the book yeah, for a second. What, 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 tell us what page it is. Uh, I'm still going. There's an index, just there so you know. Am, this, is, am, uh, this is not just like a, a picture book. It's quite a, a, a very indexed, very... You know, well thought out travel guide. It's not just <laughs> you know, eat here, you're gonna love it. I saw, I, I, I ran through it uh, just on the shelves recently. And then, did you have any involvement with the pictures that were took? Yeah, some of the pictures they they uh, actually took from my my Twitter feed and stuff wow. like that. There's some of the stuff that we shot when we were in when we were in Italy. They they used uh, uh, and uh, that was cool. It's you know what the, the restaurant's not in here. It is the oh fuck i'll find it i'll find it i'll find it 
You can edit this whole part out, right? This whole, whole fucking part's gonna or, or, or end or not, <laughs> We can just keep it out. Well, look, I'll, I'll ask you something else while you look that up. Yeah. Do you get excited for the big lavish? Like when the C&E comes to town? <sighs> Are you into the spaghetti deep fried donut ball? Do you know, do you like the over the top creations? Uh, you know what? When I go to uh, the CNE, I hit a few places. Like I have to. So when, when we get in, we go in through the Strawn entrance at the Go Train station. I get my t- uh, Tiny Tim, uh, Tiny Tom donuts. Get the Tiny Tom donuts. Then we go. My kids need some uh, cotton candy. There's that, <laughs> and uh, uh, ca- uh, candy apple. There's that. Then we go to uh, ice cream waffle. If I don't have an ice cream waffle at the X. My summer is not finished. It will. It, that is the 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 final couple of days at the X are magically trashy and delicious, and so filled with memories of childhood. Uh, and, and I love I, I love the X. I know a lot of people are turned off by that place. I love it. I love the X, man. Uh, it, it's 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 weird to go with kids because it's all about the kids now. Uh, but I, I I still will go and play on that game where you're shooting. Uh, it's like BB gun and you're shooting pellets and you're trying to shoot the, the star. star. Come on, you are my dad, okay? My dad only goes to shoot the freaking red start we literally now because my brother and i we've been going with my dad for 25 years plus easily as soon as we can walk and now we have girlfriends so i've seen my dad shoot that freaking star and successfully like he does it every other year i would say he he gets the whole star really? out. oh yeah i've oh, never yeah. once yeah i would say he's every other year oh. for averages oh, he's good but now i'm like my girlfriend is she's such an amazing woman she'll enable him i'll say <laughs> she'll be her, his cheerleader yes. she loves just watching him be a kid because yeah. it's the only real place that he can go eat until his sugar fix is done he loves the 99 cent spaghetti sure. you know the the, the cheap stuff yeah. we're all about the how, how cheap we can do it and then go shoot a star and my dad lights up like a little kid but i've seen it so many times i'm, like, I'm gonna go get a coffee and my brother and my girlfriend are like his cheerleading group now <laughs> he's got two pretty girls amazing. watching him shoot shit amazing out. i love it and, and I've never won. I've never won. It's and, and it costs. Listen, it's not cheap. It's five dollars a game. Mm-hmm. The pellets are flying all over the place. So the, the, the premise of the game is you have this BB gun that's chained down to uh, uh, the the counter there, so you can't really get it up high enough that where you need it. So you got to kind of like lean over the counter, the edge of the thing, and they have the BB gun. But the BB gun always misfires, right? So the BBs will not come out, or they're shooting off in every direction. And there's this sheet of paper that's hanging from a clip, and it's a good twenty feet away from you. That will every time a BB hits it, it moves. So you're trying to find that angle and the perfect timing for the BBs to come in and shoot it. Like, I know, oh, I, know I know what I should well. do. I have dreams about it after I leave. And I've never once, when you have to shoot the star out, there can't be any red left in the star. Oh, I'll tell you my dad's trick. What is your dad's trick? Okay. He he basically does mini bursts. Yeah. So not like you, you funny thing is you watch all these youngsters next they to them and they just go for it. He spends like at least 10 minutes a try. Like he's going and he's going around, like doesn't even go for the star but like just around, around it, it. Yeah. so there's no chance of that little peaking yeah. red 
bot coming out. Yeah. Oh, I think he goes. And the thing is, like I said, now that he has such a a cheerleading group, they're like giving him money. He's like, I only wanted to spend twenty dollars, <laughs> and it's like they're like, no, here's five more dollars, here's five. Uh, I'm just like, guys, you gotta. I'm glad you haven't done this for twenty five years. I'm close too, man. I'm forty four, so I've been doing it close for twenty five years. And man. you've never won once. Never once have I won. I need I'll to take win. you with my dad next oh, gotta, time. Uh, the restaurant I was talking about was the Early Bird. Okay. In, in London, and uh, they do great. So so delicious. Uh, everything again made in house, and the, you know he's doing this turducken. So it's a turkey, uh, a chicken, and a duck, and he's like brining and roasting and cooking everything in house, and he makes this massive like triple decker sandwich. Uh, that was just like. So delicious. Yeah, how much are you eating though? Like, what's a production day like? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to ask you the typical, are you working out every day? Because yeah. you're either Italian and you have the genes that can just like work in your favor, like the, Dev- the David Mezzianos. <laughs> but my, my point is, like, say you're shooting four to five locations in a day, you're definitely not. Or maybe you are. Are you eating breakfast before you go to your first location? Are you expecting that first place to feed you? Are you trying to, you know, pace yourself? And then by the fifth place, are you just crazy? Okay, like- so, so we shoot over, we shoot every restaurant. We shoot two days for every restaurant. Really? Yeah. They shoot a ton of stuff. Uh, so the first day is usually... Uh, and so, and we're usually doing three main dishes at each restaurant. Mm-hmm. And of those three dishes, we shoot them twice. We shoot them in a wide and we shoot them in a close. So you'll see me talking and talking and then they'll cut to a close up, everything dumping into a pot. And then they'll cut back and I'll say something wacky and my eyes will go up and down and my eyebrows will do And then it goes back close. Uh, my so eyebrows my eyebrows, I, I, I work eyebrows. If you look at my show, it's all, <laughs> I'm teaching a class in eyebrows. Uh, it's quite good. <laughs> um, so, and it's a long day of shooting, right? It take, everyone thinks it's going to be a quick, like the chefs are like, well, I can pull off a dish in 20 minutes. It's like, nope. It's going to take a long time. It's going to be weird. It's going to, because we're going to ask you to be at a different pace and not do this and, sh- and, and pour it aboard the camera and, and all that. So it's going to be, it's going to be weird. So it's two days of shooting. So at the beginning of the season of the first season, I, no one told me I didn't have to eat everything. I was eating everything out, like everything. Like the plaid was getting very tight. <laughs> like you could hear the, as the buttons were like creaking. Just like, I remember I had a problem. When we were in Victoria at a place called John's Place, and we had made a blue cheese stuffed burger, and I ate the whole fucking thing, like elbows up, people, like I was growling at people, like it was a problem. So that was in the first part of the first season. Uh, and the second, the, the, when we, were, when we, we tweaked the show, we had a new director, and I told he's my buddy Jim, I was like, Jim, you need to tell me to stop eating. Oh my gosh. Please tell me, because I'm going to eat it all. Everything's too, it's just too much. And he's like, okay, okay. So he would like, we would call cut and be like, put your fork down. Yeah. I'm like, but I don't, he's like, put your fork down. And so I needed, I needed him to tell me to stop wow. eating because I was eating too much. Yeah. And plus I was being lazy. I wasn't going to the gym. I was lying in hotel rooms. And like, yeah. it's just, it's so easy to just let, let go. Production days are tough. You're drained and eating food will burn so much of your energy. And it's tough being on yeah. all day. Oh, yeah. Like, cause you don't have any place to just go, okay, I'm going to go over here oh, i'm gonna go home be gonna naked go home. I'm, gonna, oh, I'm gonna go into the, the into the trailer like there was nothing that right yeah. like our tra- no trailer <laughs> we, just that's had right. a, we had a chair at a table oh, you know no. what i mean that's too bad uh, you're working like people think oh your job must be so lavish you're eating at all these places but you're like you know how much you time you get when you're watching me enjoy this like <laughs> yeah. imagine how much me time i didn't get 
Yeah, filming this. And that's why people have to understand. Uh, I want to get a few more questions in really quick. You're talking about the plaid. It's the classic. You're, <laughs> it's your look. Um, what makes a good plaid shirt? Where do you get them from? Because you clearly have, I mean, is the production own all of them now? or did it's they? Production, it's, a, it's funny. Like the way the plaid came about was we, they just got me a shirt for uh, the, the pilot. They got me a shirt for the pilot it's amazing and, we, and we, shot at, uh, we shot at uh hagen's in port perry at a barbecue chicken place <laughs> they just the, the network's like yeah we like that shirt and then from then on it's been plaid yeah and nothing but plaid i used to love wearing plaid <laughs> and now i feel like if i wear plaid in public i'm just wanting people to notice me that's right, the way i feel right and there was one time i uh we were uh oh, where were we i think we were in maybe bc or someplace it was a, a, a small town and I remember needing to go to the bank. And so my, my, one of the production guys dropped me off at the bank and I was still in my, my work clothes and I was walking to the bank and people were like, Hey, there's a guy from the eye. What are you doing? You got it. What are you doing? You're going to eat here. And I'm walking into the bank going, Hey, are you going to eat here? And I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm just going <laughs> to, everybody's gonna asking you that yeah, at doctor's bank. office. Are you going to eat hey, here? Hey, 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 uh, you you got to eat here. <laughs> I'm like, it's uh I'm, Adam, I'm just I'm just coming for a massage. Oh, that must suck. <laughs> that must be hilarious and be well, the, a little the best parts, The best parts of is when people recognize you from TV, but they recognize you from the wrong show. Nice. So I'll be walking across the street and somebody will be screaming, "Hey, uh, Eat Street!" <laughs> and I'd be like, at first I'd be like, "No, it's you." Guys. And at the end it was like, "Yes." Extreme. Yeah, you just might as well, yes. right? You're like, great show. Or you like you walk onto a, a school bus and a young child is like the Doodlebobs yes, driver. Doodlebobs. I was when we were in Italy shooting, we were in Florence and I had a break in between some stuff and I thought, "Oh, I'm going to go walk back into the neighborhood that my wife and I stayed at when we first visited Italy and Florence uh, 10 years prior. So I'm walking, walking I went down these little side streets. And then I found the little hotel we stayed at. And as I'm walking, there's some guy across the street. And he's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, hi. He's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm just walking. And he's like, no, but what are you doing? Like, what are you doing here in Italy? I was like, oh, we're shooting the show. He's like, oh, I'm from London, Ontario or something like that. And he, and he was there on vacation. And then that same restaurant in Florence, there was a, a, a husband and wife. They were just newly married and they had come in. They were just there for their honeymoon. And they're like, oh my God, you're shooting here. What are you doing? So it's just so weird to be out of that context. And again, it's because I was wearing that plaid shirt. Oh, right? amazing. Yeah, you thought I could do this in Italy, right? I can enjoy these plaid <laughs> no, shirts. Know me. Uh, so I know that when you are in love of a slice of pizza or a burger or, or something in particular, you're known to say that you love to smash it. Yes. So I've created a little lightning round game where we're going to say smash it or trash it. We're going to smash it in our face or put it in its place. So I'm going to give you some food trends, some things that are maybe unsavory, pun intended. <laughs> and you tell me if John Cattucci is going to smash it or trash it. Smash or <laughs> yes put it put it in the notebook trash. that we have for you this Thank is it's you. not going to be this extensive i promise <laughs> lot, i feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of tension there's a lot of stress happening right now okay so toronto's big on these food trends yes so i'm very skeptical and i want to see where you lie first one is charcoal ice cream or even charcoal pizza crust i've seen charcoal anything ah uh, Smash it or trash it? Listen, my initial response is I want to trash it, right? Because if anything came to you normally and it was burnt and it would look like that, you'd be like, what the fuck? But 
everybody's been talking about this charcoal ice cream. So I kind of want to smash it. Okay. I want to smash it. And then I'll tell you if I'll trash it. How's okay. that? Okay. Please. You'll okay. come back. I'm going to come back. Guys, back. I'm going to come back. Okay. Next one is Pooh Cafe. The Pooh Cafe. Oh, man. Listen, my youngest daughter is obsessed with everything Pooh related. Isn't that weird? They, a Pooh emoji this. Pooh, it's so funny, right? Pooh stuff is... So she she's been wanting to go to this poo cafe and we went, we surprised her and we went, it's just so disconcerting to, to like sit on toilets and, uh, they were so excited by it. And then like the food comes in, in little toilet bowls and this, and my wife's tea came was a big toilet bowl. I just couldn't, I couldn't enjoy it. How old's your daughter? She's eight. And then I have another daughter who's 10 and they loved it. They did. And I just could not, I could, it was hard time like eating and swallowing things. There's, Poo related, so I, I I'm sorry, I'm trashing it. I'm All trashing right. it. Turmeric latte, a turmeric latte. I have not had this. I enjoy turmeric. Okay, I think it would be very good for you. Probably as anti-inflammatory. Yeah. Uh, what it would be like with steamed milk? I don't know. I personally am going to pass. I'm going to trash it. Okay. I'm going to pass, okay. and I am trashing it because I'm sure it's lovely. I'm passing on it. Okay. Okay. Big Mac pizza. Oh man, that's a good one. That's a good one because it's a- like you're a classic Italian guy, and now yeah. we're taking like yeah. you know the the Nike of fast food, <laughs> of like you know. I haven't had a, I haven't had a Big Mac in ages because they fly through me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I would have to it's eat a big, I would have to eat a Big Mac at the Pooh Cafe. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're killing me. That's uh, good. But That's I, good. Well, I hear the washrooms there are filthy. Just beautiful. <laughs> I would like, I mean, I, when I was a kid, I used to just smash Big Macs. Yeah. Smash. Is like that your two. go-to? Like two. I, could, I remember being able to sit down at one seating and yeah. then have two Big Macs and you. a fry. But as a kid, though, right now, sure. I just I could never. Was that your go-to fast food? Is, is McDonald's the Mecca for you? I think so. It was, it was Mecca. Uh, it was, I think, McDonald's and then a good Harvey's as well. Yeah, Harvey's Canadian was good, boy, too. For good sure. Canadian boy, for sure. Good Canadian boy, Canadian burger. Big uh, Mac pizza. Smash it or trash it? I, for, to try it once? Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smash it. I'm going to okay. try it. Yeah. So here's another one that takes on a Canadian twist. The corn dog poutine. Yeah, I'll, I'll smash that. Right. I'll smash that without any question. <laughs> like we, we, we went like my daughter, my daughter, Claire, my youngest one. Uh, she was like, daddy, can we, can we get a corn dog? I was like, you know what? We went to the X this year. I was like, I'm not fighting you on anything. You guys want stuff today? We're just going to let it happen. Nice. She's like, we're going to get a garbage dog, right? We're going to get a garbage because they're garbage. She was like, very funny. They're garbage, but they're so delicious. Nah. I was like, hundred percent. You we're taught doing her well. This. Yes. We taught her. Yes. Yes. To know what's garbage and yeah, what's not. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, do you want mustard? And she's like, no, that's too much. The mustard on it is too much, but it, they, they will offer a little uh, a little Dixie cup so you can put your mustard right inside and nice. then you can just dip your corn dog. So you don't have to worry about everybody else's preference. Exactly. But nobody's eating my... Get your own. I had a corn dog at... Uh, that's my go-to. Corn dog and an ice cream waffle sandwich for sure. But what I liked about this one corn dog spot at the CNE, they had honey mustard. Which I thought was a nice, oh. nice taste. Is that the one that's near, like right in the middle of the of the, it's in the uh, midway? In the midway, it's right after you get out the better living or the yes, right. It's right when you come out. You know where that little busker stage is? Yes, they have a busker oh, stage. Oh, that's so that's on the that's closer to the Prince's Gates, right? Okay, no, I'm talking about the one that's when you come up the midway straight up before you make the turn where the shooting gain is. Yeah, right yeah. in the corner, like there's a ice cream waffle place there and a. Corn dog place. Corn dog place right there. We are talking about the same place. Okay. Yeah, we are talking about the same place. Never mind. Yeah. (laughs) All right, I got a couple more here. Do it. 
uh, unicorn frappuccino and other unicorn themed foods. Not only trash it, go fuck it. <laughs> okay. Not fuck it, but fuck yeah. it. Yeah, fuck it. All right. All day breakfast at McDonald's. Is there like a, a certain takeaway that. Smashy smash. Smashy smash. 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 Yeah, That's okay. one of my guilty pleasures is a sausage and egg McMuffin. Nice. Uh, and uh, a hash brown. Uh, one of my guilty pleasures. I, it was way too guilty. There were times where I was going every single day and getting the double hash brown and then sharing one of the hash browns with my kids so I didn't feel as guilty. Uh, <laughs> Putting it off on them a, a bit. Uh, uh, English muffin. Uh, 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 sorry, uh, a sausage and egg McMuffin. I will just smash the shit so out of it. So you're a fan of that now that it's all day breakfast, anytime you want I, it. You know what? I, I, I love that idea because there are times where you want that. In the sure. afternoon, you want something small. You don't want to have uh, a, full a full burger. But... I also wish that they would do the egg uh, a little like over easy as opposed to hard. A little runny. A little runny. Yeah, but then you you got it in a bag and it squishes and it runs everywhere sure. you can. Sure. Maybe That's if an you're Italian just eating, thing. That's if you're again, just eating in in house. If I was just sure. eating in house, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure they're not expecting you to eat anywhere. But I wonder know. if they're just so pissed off the kids that work there now. Because like before, it was like okay, breakfast stuff is in the morning. That's it. But now they got to have breakfast stuff all day. Like how long is a sausage hanging around? Like if Jimmy hasn't had one since eleven, and then and then Frankie comes in at four and says, "Hey, I want a sausage sandwich." How long has this sausage been hanging around? You know, I think it's all made to order. Oh. You know, it's all frozen. Oh, then then we're good. Yeah, we're fine. But again, that that runny uh, you know egg in a sandwich is is that's what I think of like a good panino. Yeah. You know, like when that breakfast panino or like you know that's the way to do it. You, you, I don't remember the episode, but you you, you saw some really good paninos on uh, you got to eat here panini. Isn't Panini? Oh yes, I. This is so. This is a there great bit from the doo-wops because you guys, <laughs> you guys joke that us Americans, the Canadians, have always said Panini, but Panini means more than one. Yeah. So when people say Paninis, that's wrong. It drives me insane. Right. It does. Yeah, it drives me. It fucking drives me insane. You said calzono or something. You said uh, something else that panzerotto. had a pan, You said panzerotto. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you, yeah. So clearly, if there's more than one, it's panzerotti. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're uh, learning. So this is what I wanted to ask yeah. you. Is it biscotto? For a single, it should be a biscotto. Yeah. Right? Okay, so when somebody says, "Can I get it? Can I get a biscotti?" Like the Italian in me goes, oh, yeah, yeah, Like yeah. when I used to work, I used to work at the Carlton movie theaters years ago. Come in, my, in my twenties, right after I graduated university, uh, and they would have the biscotti in one of those big glass cookie jars, and people would get them with their coffee, and they're like, "Can I have a biscotti?" I'd be like, "Yes, I'll give you a biscotto." <laughs> Of course you I would. would. Like, I would like give them a little shot, but they wouldn't know. That's classic. Like, <laughs> yeah, they would never in my, know. Yeah, in my vest and my bow tie, <laughs> making six eighty five an hour. <laughs> All right, three more for smashing and trashing. Yes. We'll get you out of here. Fried lobster on waffles. Oh, like anything on waffles, I'm a big fan of. Okay, I I think I would smash that. Okay. Oh, that would be good. Kangaroo sausage. Fuck off. Trash that. Really? I'm not gonna eat kangaroo, man. No, no game meat. Not a big I, fan. Listen, I'll do. I, I like the elks and that sort of stuff. Well, but the kangaroo is the elk of uh, <laughs> Australia. <laughs> no, I thought this was the same thing. I just, uh, I, I think maybe anything with a pouch. I won't. I won't <laughs> do anything with a pouch. How's that? I don't know what that extends to <laughs> beyond kangaroo. Oh, and lastly, this is something I need to know from you. This is, I think, is going to hit home a little bit. Deep dish pizza smash it or trash it <sighs> i'm gonna smash it you know like uh, uh i wanna we did a couple of them on on the show 
and uh, they're just, it's so different than the pizza I grew up on, right? Uh, but they were really, really delicious and, and ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like the oh, amount yeah. of cheese. I remember the first time I saw it, the amount of cheese that went into one of these pies was like, holy shit. Are you serious? How are you making money on this thing? Right. You know, like, cheese is expensive. Cheese is expensive. How are you doing this? And it was, uh, it was so delicious. And then we were in Chicago at, at Lou Melanati's and, the guy, and they make... They put butter in their crust. Oh, that's the thing. Okay. Oh, my God. We went there, too. People kept telling us, you got to go to the Illuminati's. You got to go to the Illuminati's. I'm like, what? They? I didn't realize they were so prevalent here that they had their own pizza <laughs> spot here. And then they're like, Illuminati's. Illuminati's. Uh, and that's a place where uh, they have the restaurants in Chicago themselves. And then in and around the, the, the suburbs, they have like just pickup places. But because the pizza takes like 40 minutes to cook or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Because it's so, so deep. Thick. They'll they'll half cook it there for you. And then you can bring it home and finish it See off at home. I, I was like, like that's, that's smart. a good idea. That is a good idea. I like that idea. Toronto could benefit from a little bit of a take home, continue cook kind of movement around here because we're very much love to cook at home. We very much like to eat out. So I'm surprised we don't see a lot of that stuff around here. Sure, because there's always that idea that, you know, you can fool your guests into thinking that you've made this. <laughs> no, that's your idea. Oh, is it? Oh, sorry. <laughs> you, know, you take everything out of the containers, you put them on plates. Here you go. I made this uh, Chinese food for you. You can take the Italian out of the prince boy but you can't take the prince out of the italian middle no, child i want to thank my guest john catucci where can we see you on the interwebs where, where what are your well, tweeters on instagram and, and and twitter i'm at, at john catucci so j-o-h-n-c-a-t-u-c-c-i so you can catch me there uh and then uh coming up uh in october i think october 11th um let me just double check that i want to give you the correct date and then I don't want to, uh, October 11th. I was right. So Wednesday, October 11th, uh, CBC radio is doing a show called accent on Toronto. Uh, and it's a comedy show and it's, uh, all, all, all the comedians are going to be celebrating all the good things and bad of Toronto. Uh, and David, myself, David and myself, the doo will be hosting accent on Toronto this year. And of course you got to go here is in bookstores. Now I want to yeah. thank my guest, John Catucci for coming on speaking duck on neversleepsnetwork.com john we're definitely going to have you back we're going to bug you you're definitely going to be on jeff paul's podcast and that is very different than this oh yeah okay good i haven't opened you up quite like jeff (laughs) jeff well so check him out on neversleepsnetwork.com john catucci definitely on twitter and instagram is always fun catching you online it's great i can't wait to see what comes next we'll talk about that that in-home john catucci and dave meziano cooking show we'll talk about that in the it's going to be good. Be good. Be good. So keep your eyes out for that. <laughs> Thank you, John Catucci, for coming on. Thanks, Alex. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit neversleepsnetwork.com. Never